Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Yo, I'm really sorry about the delay, but I don't feel bad about it. I really don't. I was getting ready to tape on Wednesday night and somebody hit me on Facebook and was like, sis, you know, the handmaid's tale is out. I knew the episode was coming out June 5th. I had to reactivate my Hulu account. And then she was like, sis, it's three episodes. There's billboards all over Los Angeles. You ain't tell me you was dropping three episodes. I would have felt bad if I had a podcast that was about business or politics exclusively. But pausing to to watch pop culture that I would probably cover on the show. Don't feel bad at all. Just FYI. But thank you most kindly for your patience. I do appreciate that. Also, thank you so much for, for the comments from last week. Hundreds of people emailed, DM'd left comments on the site. I I really appreciate it. That episode seemed to resonate with a lot of people. Moving along. I'm not reviewing Handmaid's Tale on the podcast. For those of you who haven't watched it, no fears, no worries. I'm not going to spoil anything. I did, however, put my random thoughts that I thought while watching it in the order that I thought them. You know, those little reviews, recaps that I do. I did put the first three episodes up on my site, DemetriaLLucas.com. So if you want to, you know, check out my, my thoughts on Handmaid's Tale, they are on the site. I will say that I'm excited about the evolution of Serena Joy. Because your husband cutting off your pinky finger will cause you to reevaluate your marriage. I hate Serena Joy. I absolutely loathe her. I think she's a terrible person. But she's an amazing character to watch. So I'm looking forward to seeing where she goes this season. I don't think I'm giving much away to say that the episode season three ends with her in a body of water. She's, she's going through some sort of rebirth. And so who knows exactly what that will look like. I'm excited about that. June gets on my nerves. I find her very white woman, angsty, annoying. She's on some, I'm a badass this season. And I'm like, ma'am, you are no RBG, Nancy Pelosi, Laura Croft, Sarah Connor. Like, that's not who you are. She strikes me as like a white woman who needs some adventure. And she just be messing shit up because she don't really know what she's doing. She just wants to be badass for for badass sake. Like you're not even trying to save your baby at this point. But you're just pretending to be a badass. But Serena Joy, I'm here for. I'm here for Serena Joy. There's good things going on in the world. Idris Elba and his new wife, Sabrina. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I, I looked online. I want you to know. I looked online. I checked a couple entertainment sites to see how they were pronouncing her last name. Everyone just refers to her as Idris Elba's new love or the future Mrs. Idris Elba. I need somebody black and preferably from her home country to pronounce her last name because I'd like to learn it. I think the, the, the now Mrs. Idris Elba, I think that's, that's respectful and fair to call her. She and her husband are looking beautiful on the cover of British Vogue. They are the first African couple to be featured on the cover When I heard Vogue was shooting it, I knew it was going to be a cover. Idris Elba ain't no inside feature. Idris Elba is the cover. And he and his brown wife, they look beautiful. I've seen a lot of people snarking on the age difference or or how many times Mr. Elba has been married. The man looked happy as shit. I can't even snark on it. I can't. He was biting his lip, lifting her up into the air. And I was like, oh, they nasty. 
I like it. I think that's the kind of chemistry that a couple should have. They met in a bar. I never recommend to people to to meet in bars. Like when women ask me like, oh, where do you meet men? You literally meet them anywhere and everywhere. If you go outside and, and there's a man, that is an opportunity to meet men. Men don't have like, oh, don't talk to me on the subway. Don't talk to me when I have my headphones on. Don't talk to me when I'm walking down the street. Don't talk to me when I'm driving. Don't talk to me when I'm at work. Men are just like, I'm here. I'm available. If you would like to speak, if you are attractive and friendly, I'm here for a good time and I'm available. Men don't have off hours like women. So literally, you can meet men anywhere. But I usually don't recommend bars because, you know, usually it's loud and people have been drinking. They're not usually on their best behavior. But I guess it's good to see up front what you're dealing with. Actually, two of my really good friends met in bars. And my ex-boyfriend's parents who've been married for like 40 years. They met in a club. She saw him across the dance floor and was like, hey, now that's about to be my man. Sis was on to something. Literally 40 years they've been married. My ex-boyfriend's father is like one of my mentors. We used to have coffee together at Starbucks in the suburbs. This is all in my next book. It's such a wild ride. Anyway, I still don't recommend people meet at bars. It works. It worked for Idris and Sabby. His version, 2017, he was in Vancouver at a jazz bar. He was filming The Mountain Between Us. And he said they locked eyes and it was love at first sight. He's 47. She's 29. She fine. He fine. I could see how that could be a hey now from the moment you see each other. The article hasn't come out yet. It's not up on the, the British Vogue site. But everyone and their mother is quoting excerpts from it. And of Sabrina, Idris says that they work because she's helped him deepen friendships with people I've known longer than her. And she nurtures the best side of me. That's powerful. I really genuinely wish them the best. I know when Michael Ealy got married, I wrote this long blog post kind of joking. Because you know how I feel about Michael Ealy. I literally think I titled it Women Wet. Michael Ealy is married. That was a sad day for me. I love that dude. I think he's awesome. Now I sound kind of weird because I kind of know him. Like speak when I see him. He used to pop up at the Essence offices. I was sitting at my cubicle one day and my coworker Corey was like, Demetria, look who's here. And I turned around and it's motherfucking Michael Ely. I ain't had no makeup on either. I was on deadline. I looked a hot ass mess. And I'm like, hey. He's got to think I'm a goof. <laughs> if he even thinks of me at all. Jesus. But he's a really nice guy. I'll vouch for that. Even if he's like, that chick is crazy as shit. He's a really nice guy. And I also hope he's happy. He and his wife made some beautiful babies. What else is joyful in the world? Lil Nas X, his old town road. I get it, but I don't. Like when I first saw the video, I was like, is, it, is this like a parody? Like this little black boy in, in the cowboy hat and like riding a horse, Chris Rock and, and, and Billy Ray Cyrus, who ain't been popular to me since like, Achy breaky heart was it was that him I did a cheerleading routine to that like back in 95 but I was like is this a parody did did something happen on Saturday Night Live like I don't I don't get it like what's the backstory so I can laugh because everyone else seems to be really into this and they were like no sis it's for real and he has the number one song in the world so I had to go look it up the song it's not my cup of tea but I support him he seems like a nice kid Not trying to cause no trouble, just, you know, just making some good music. 
It's feel good. Nobody's being degraded. I saw some video. I don't know where he was performing. It had to be 10,000 white folks losing their goddamn mind. And there's another video. He goes to some school. It's like a bunch of, I don't know. Kids all look like five to me. I can't really tell the difference between a five-year-old and like a third grader. They all look exactly alike to me. But I don't know. The kids were young. They were definitely elementary school kids. They were losing their minds to that song. I hope that boy ain't got no reckless friends, nobody carrying any kind of weaponry, no drugs. I hope he got a good accountant and a good lawyer. He made the song himself. Theoretically, he should be making all the money on it. That man could never have to work again off one song. Good for him. But I don't want him involved in any foolishness. Like, bubble wrap that young black boy. We've seen a a summer hit before go south. Sir, you will not be Bobby Schmurder Part 2. Absolutely not. Bubble wrap him. Get him an accountant. I'm not trying to hear about little Nas X being broke, living in the streets in three to five years. Or living in grandma's basement in three to five years. Sir, invest. Get you a good accountant, not like your uncle, not friend of so-and-so's deacon at the church. Go get you a good accountant. I got a Jewish dude. I'm not saying the Jewish dudes are the only good accountants. I'm just saying that's who I happen to have. But he giving these white folks hell. They mad as shit. Little black boy on the country charts. They kicked him off. And he was like, this won't do. I'm going to tweet Billy Ray Cyrus about this. Billy Ray was like, I could always use some more money. <laughs> he hopped on the track. The whole story is so interesting to me. Billy Ray Cyrus gets on the track. It goes back to the top of country. People are making signs congratulating Billy Ray Cyrus like it's his song. Like he's not a feature on someone else's song. And Billy Ray corrected them. He was like, I'm so thankful to be here. Thank you to little Nas X for the opportunity. I just don't know about Billy Ray. I mean, he seemed like an okay dude, but then he raised Miley. Something went wrong in that house. I don't know what it was, but your daughter got some real cultural appropriation issues. Speaking of cultural appropriation, Lil Nas X has a deal with Wrangler. He talks about Wrangler jeans in this song that is a worldwide number one hit. That's great for Wrangler. So Wrangler, being the intelligent people that they are, was like, why don't we just make an Old Town Road collection of jeans? Why don't we do a partnership with you? Which, of course, Lil Nas X jumps on, right? People are accusing Wrangler and Lil Nas X of cultural appropriation. They're like, country is nothing to be made fun of. This black kid is coming in and he's culturally appropriating our country lifestyle. Er? Y'all know there was black cowboys from the beginning. I was reading up on it because I was like, you know, you got to come with facts. But the Smithsonian was like, oh, no, according to our research, one in four cowboys were black. Like this whole John Wayne mythology and all that other stuff. And they were like, yeah, there's there's documentation of black people in like 1860 something talking about saloons and wrangling cattle and the old West lifestyle. They got pictures of black cowboys. They look exactly like what you would expect. Whole cowboy attire, hat, handkerchief, a cow or a horse in the background and some long, fluffy hair. And I was like, oh, you met up with the native friends and the Mexican friends. Y'all, y'all had parties and, and produced a whole bunch of interesting looking people. And I mean interesting and just interesting to look at. Not beautiful or unattractive or anything like that. But just like, oh, okay, it looks like you got a silky blowout. But you, you know, dark as midnight in the best of ways. This is interesting. 
culture appropriating cowboys. White people love to erase black folk. Like, we did it all. You weren't there. Like, no, no, we were. And there are pictures to prove it. White people are on one right now. In a way that, like, is just extra heightened. Y'all watch Central Park 5, yeah? I wonder what the Netflix streams of that are. It's a really good series. I keep wanting to call it a documentary or a film, but it's actually a four-part series. Very beautifully well-done series. And shout out to, what's, what's his name? The guy that played Corey Wise, Jarrell Jerome. Amazing talent. He was also the boyfriend in Act 2 of Moonlight. He was the only person that, that showed compassion to the young man as he was struggling with his identity, his sexuality. All the kids were good. I mean, overall, all the acting was good. But Jarrell Jerome and Omar. What's Omar's real name? You know what I'm talking about from The Wire. He did a really good job as the ailing father. You know who wasn't great in Central Park 5? In real life, not the movie. Linda Fairstein. She was the head of the sex crimes unit in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Now, watching the movie, I didn't realize she was in the DA's office. I thought she was a detective or or one of the investigators on the case. Once she heard this woman had been raped and that there were also black children in the park, she just could not fathom any other ideas about what could have happened to this woman. It must have been black kids that attacked her. It had to be this group. It couldn't even be one of the boys. It had to be a group of five that attacked this woman. Like, she just got this idea in her head and forced a narrative that would fit it, even though the physical evidence and the confessions, and in some cases, and and the boys, didn't line up. Like, poor Corey Wise went down to the police station to help a friend and somehow ended up in all the mix. He wasn't even a suspect. And Felicity Hoffman, God bless her, that woman can't catch a break right now. On the heels of the college scandal where she's become the face of privileged white women, she turns around and plays this loathed character. And people can't separate the character from the person because Felicity Hoffman actually did a really good job playing her. People were like, well, at least Felicity Hoffman's going to jail. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Felicity Hoffman's likely going to jail for something entirely different that's not about railroading children into the system. She did some fucked up shit. But she didn't, you know, force five kids to sit behind bars and lose their whole childhood. And only God knows what happened to them and their families. On the hierarchy of fucked up white women, Felicity Hoffman is is far below Linda Fairstein. I'm just saying. But Linda Fairstein, when I was watching the film, I think episode one... I might have said something about her and then somebody DM'd me her Instagram and she turned off the comments, which girl, that was for the best because you wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I've gone through two media storms and I didn't do half of the shit you did. You was going to get your feelings hurt bad. People are calling for a boycott of her books, for her publishers to stop publishing her books. Awards that she's received have been taken from her. She got the 1993 Woman of the Year Award from Glamour. They took that too. Deservedly so. Because in the face of the real attacker coming forward and saying, I did this, this is how it was done. 
my DNA matches. I acted alone. Those boys had nothing to do with it. They've been wrongly punished for the crime. The state of New York exonerates the boys. Everyone seems to be admitting, hey, we were wrong. We fucked up. And she was like, no, I didn't make a mistake. And she's like, I know those boys were still involved. I know they did something. I'm like, you holding real righteous and tight to that white woman racism. You 53% ride or die. So you get what the fuck you get. All your life's accomplishments, your New York Times bestselling books that you were able to sell off the popularity of getting your name out there from the, from the Central Park Five case. Your legacy is shit. I believe in God's grace and, and redemption. But ma'am, you're going to have to admit you were wrong. They beating on this white lady like a rented mule. And I don't feel the least bit bad for her. If she could just come out and say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I acted in a way that I shouldn't. I've changed my mind about the innocence of the boys. Something. Like the evidence never did add up, lady. You fucked up five people's childhood as a way to further your career. That's some shameless shit. You had a child sent to Rikers. I cried throughout Central Park Five off and on. But when I really, really lost it was in part four, where Corey is told that his sister died. He loses it. He looks like he's about to fight the guard. And I'm like, he's already in solitary and, you know, hitting a CO like anything could happen. And the CO doesn't punish him. He hugs him. And it's not anything that should be seen as significant or special. People keep talking about, oh, the compassion that the CO had. The CO was the only decent person that Corey had encountered in like 10 years. He didn't do anything special. He just didn't do anything shitty. I mean, the Chia Pet was special. He didn't have to bring him a gift. And then teaching him how to play solitaire. He did go above and beyond in some ways. I, I will give him credit there. But when he hugged him in that scene, no one had treated that kid with any kind of decency in so long that simply a hug after hearing that your sister died sent me over the edge. My mouth was wide open. I wasn't making no noise and tears were just streaming down my face. I felt so bad for him. I think a lot of people have the idea that you've done something that's landed you in jail and so you get what you get however you get it once you get inside. But seeing Corey Wise's story... It definitely doesn't deserve to happen to a 16-year-old, but it definitely doesn't deserve to happen to a 36-year-old man or a 56-year-old man. Prisoners are still humans, and they deserve to be treated with basic dignity and respect. And the actor, Jarrell Jerome, sir, if he don't get no Emmy for that, you got to nominate that man and you got to have him win, because I don't know if you could top that. That was beautiful, beautiful work. Ava did good. Speaking of Ava, she recently did an interview with Van Jones, and I'm sure there were 50 million takeaways, but one of them was that Ava does not like to be referred to as auntie. She's good with sis. She's good with queen. She's good with Miss Ava. If you're under 18, you just need to show some respect. She's good with Miss Duvernay, but she is not good with Auntie Ava. Now, I've always called Ava Big Sis. There are some other people who are around her age who I call auntie. Like, I called Mary J. Blige auntie for the longest time. But she was acting like an auntie with the blonde hair, 
and that weird wild dancing that she does and the music. It was auntie behavior. But then after she left Can't Do, she started looking good and youthful and fresh. I had to start calling her cousin Mary. But back to Ava. Ava said she don't want to be called auntie. And then Oprah and Gail hopped in a discussion and was like, you know what? While we're at it, we don't want to be called auntie either. First and foremost, I will respect what folks want to be called. These are women that I respect. So if they don't want to be called auntie, I will no longer call them auntie. But their reasoning behind auntie got a little shady. Ava was like, look, I'm 46. Not your auntie. Fair. Because folks will try to throw auntie on you the second you turn 40. People be like, Auntie D. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. I'm not your auntie. Cousin. Big sis. Fine. This one girl did write to me on Instagram and she was like, oh my gosh, I feel like you're my other mom. And I was like, sis, I'm not your mom. She was like, I'm 17. I was like, shit. Your mom is probably my age. Oh my God. That's crazy to me. I could legitimately have like a damn near grown child. I feel like a child half the time. I'm getting off subject. Gail's point, because she don't like to be called Auntie Gail, so she's just Gail now. Gail was like, when you call me Auntie, it makes me sound old. I was like, Gail, you 60. And I understand you don't feel old, but I'm like, you're official Auntie age. You could also be Grandma. I'm just saying. 60? That's legit. Gail was like, they don't call Beyonce auntie. Gail, Beyonce is not 60. Beyonce is like 37, 38, quote and unquote, allegedly. Gail, you're a little older than Beyonce. You could be Beyonce's mom. I'm sure Miss Tina is over 60. There's nothing wrong with it. Gail says that she feels like auntie age is 83. I was like, 83? <laughs> 83 is a great aunt. 83 is grandma. That's what she likes. So I'm going to respect it because I respect Miss Gail. Oprah said she's, she's comfortable with Lady O. She said that feels right to her. So I was like, okay, Lady O, we can go back to that. I think we were calling her Lady O for a while and then Auntie became popular. I'm going to ask y'all too if y'all could kindly refrain from calling me Auntie Demi or Auntie Demetria. Big sis. Cousin. We're good. Can we go back to white women who are terrible real quick? Because white women are, are looking horrific in the streets right now. Whoever the white woman was whose voice was in that video with old sir from Texas talking about it's above me now. I don't know how in, in the year of our Lord 2019, you fix your face to call someone a fucking nigger. Really? Like you called this business establishment seeking something. You didn't receive the answer that you want. And your response was to call this person a fucking nigger. And then your dumb white ass showed up at the venue and was like, I need you to do me a solid. No, you don't either. In what world are you going to call somebody not just out their name? Because people who work in hospitality gets accustomed to hearing a level of crazy from people and they know how to like brush it off. My cousin used to work at a casino and she was like, I'll let you have the first bitch because you just lost your rent money and I know that it's not personal. But the second bitch, I got to give you a warning and the third bitch, I got to call security to kick you out. You can get a 24-hour ban. You can come back to curse me out another day. But it ain't gonna be with so many bitches up in here. 
There is no level for nigger. There isn't no like, oh, you got three times to call me a nigger and then it's done. No, one nigger and it's a wrap. Dude handled it better than a lot of other dudes would have. Even on white lady with her white tears and her white daughter also pulling some. But it's my mom. There's a type of dude, had you called him fucking nigger on the phone and you showed up in person and he realized that was you, would have punched you dead in your face and not felt bad about it at all. Would have done it on video and then quit his job live. Sir hit ma'am with the most professional, it's above me now. The best Western is next door. She was like, but my mom just died. Bitch, that ain't no excuse to call nobody a fucking nigger. In what world? I feel like if a Latino person had done something to me, I'd be like, fuck you, motherfucker. I wouldn't feel like I had to add a, a racist epithet in there. You just be a motherfucker. Like, my issue is not with your race. My issue is with your disposition. So if she called him a fucking motherfucker, I think she probably could have stayed at the hotel with her family. But a nigga? So unnecessary. And then she's trying to argue with him. She pulled out some white tears. Like, but my whole family is here. You should have thought about that before you call somebody out their goddamn name. You should have thought about that before you used a racial epithet on somebody. How you use, my mama died. My family's here. You should give me what I want after I've insulted your race. One of the most vile words in the English language. Really? Then her daughter walks in and he was like, I can't. Your mom called me a fucking nigger. She didn't even miss a beat. She was like, well, you know, my grandma just died. That's not a goddamn excuse. There ain't no excuse for using language like that on people. That's hurtful. And she knew her mama did it too. If I walked in and my mother was arguing with somebody and they were like, ma'am, your mother called me a fucking nigger. I'd be like, she did no such thing. She absolutely did not. Because that's not language my mother uses. My dad don't even talk like that. There's really no one in my circle that you could be like, he just called me a fucking nigger. And I'd be like, well, you know, these things happen. Because nobody in my circle talks like that. Folks speak free. We don't use language like that. We're not animals. That's an animal. That woman is a goddamn animal. Only an animal would use language like that. With an actual human. That's terrible. But let me tell you how I really know the lady wasn't shit. Because at no point did her daughter say, it's okay, mom. You can stay with me. That would have been the easiest solution. That woman is that much of an animal. She was like, my whole family is staying here. None of the other family members was willing to let you stay with them. You be out here in these streets acting crazy on a regular basis and your family don't want to be with you either. Even your own damn daughter. If my mom couldn't find a hotel room, I'd be like, well, mommy, why don't you just stay with me? You get the left, I get the right. I've shared a bed with my mother plenty of times. I mean, she's my mom. Her daughter ain't off her. That woman is a loose animal. She used to be tied up and put away. Out here using language like that. The year of our Lord, 2019. Shameful. She's also a great segue into my next and final topic. I wanted to talk about meanness. There was a really popular screenshot a woman wrote on Twitter. Stop putting on women's empowerment events when you are a mean girl in real life. I just saw the tweet everywhere. It could have been a whole Twitter thread. She could have addressed something specific, but I didn't see any context for the tweet. This is me absolutely acknowledging that it is highly possible that there are women who are putting on women's empowerment events who are actually mean. I don't want to deny this woman's experience or her truth. But I do want to say, as a woman who's been called mean on several occasions, and definitely doesn't consider herself to be such, 
a lot of times what people call mean are when people tell you no or when people set their boundaries and they're not giving you what you want. Or when people pull a you on you. In every single situation where folks have been like, you're mean, that has been the case. I'm quick to be like, I'm not about that life. I'm not doing this with you today. I'm quick to be like, they're like, oh, can you do blah, blah, blah? Nope. People have written diatribes to me. People have written blog posts about me. People have gotten on Twitter and tried to blast me, called me mean and all types of other names for not wanting to take a picture with them, for being on a date and not wanting to take the time to like have long conversations with them, for not wanting to listen to their stories and give them advice in line at Target. But that doesn't make me mean. That means you asked me a question and I didn't give you what you want. People call me mean for saying wild shit to me and then I might say wild shit back. 99% of the time people say crazy shit to me, I don't say anything. I'll just block you. I'll just delete it and keep going. Sometimes I just leave it there and just let other people deal with it because other people would be like, yo, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, why would you even speak to her that way? When somebody claps at me and I clap back at them, people be like, oh, you're so mean. No, I'm not. I'm pulling a you on you. So either we mean or you're mean. Me responding to you in the same manner that you came at me, it's not mean. Just giving you what the fuck you asked for. It's not mean to say no. It's not mean to have boundaries. It's not mean to meet people how they came at you and where they are. You asked for it, you might get it. This woman in Atlanta put up a billboard to get Tyler Perry's attention. She's an actress. She wants to be in an upcoming Tyler Perry production. She paid approximately $2,000 for a billboard, which to me is crazy. Because I was like, if I'm going to pay for a billboard to get the attention of a director or a producer, I'd do it for Ava. I'd do it for Reggie Hudlin, Will Packer, Issa Rae, Malcolm D. Lee. It's a lot of people. I, I might be like, you know what? It's desperate times call for desperate measures. I need to like really put myself out there to be in a Tyler Perry production. Now, I like Tyler Perry. I respect him as a man. I respect him as a businessman. I respect his studio. And because I respect those things, I'm going to leave out my commentary on Tyler Perry Productions. I'm just only going to say, sis need a higher bar. Tyler Perry is your goal? Sis. And Tyler Perry works with like some, some legit actresses. Like Cicely Tyson been in a million Tyler Perry movies. But I feel like that's where folks go because they know Tyler Perry going to cut a check. I don't know if it's a good check, but it's going to be a check. Sometimes you just need a check. I, I completely understand that. So no shame. Idris started with Tyler Perry Productions in film. He got the wire. Everyone thought he was gorgeous. They didn't know what to do with him yet. So we turned up in Tyler Perry movies. I've watched Daddy's Little Girls maybe four, five times. The plot really doesn't make sense. Like, if you really think about how that plays out in the real world, super bougie, professional, successful woman gets with a mechanic who has three daughters. That doesn't play out well in the real world. Folks want to act like class and education aren't very big factors in, in dating marketplace. They absolutely are. I'm not saying it can't work. I'm saying you're going to have to overcome some hurdles that are exceptional to make it work. 
add in a woman with no kids taking care of three kids who's going to be quick to remind you you ain't my mama yeah i know people who've done it i also know they complain 24 7 about it some of them left that wasn't even going to work as a long-term dating situation though you used to ripping and running going wherever you go doing whatever you want to do spending money how you spend it he can't do that your resources start to get allocated to his kids Y'all not doing date nights at, at swanky, sexy spots. Y'all are hanging out on the couch watching Netflix because y'all ain't got no babysitter for his kids. Yeah. Folks are like, oh, but you have love. It takes more than love to make a relationship work, y'all. But I say all of that to say this woman puts up a billboard to get Tyler Perry's attention. Tyler Perry does see the billboard. Apparently, everyone, their mother started tagging him or calling him about the billboard. He doesn't like the attention. He doesn't like the approach. So it's the third time somebody's done it. He takes to Instagram and he's like, hey, sis. In so many words, he's like, this doesn't work for me. I've seen your acting before. You were in a film that I enjoyed. I'm familiar with your work. Why don't you just come and audition? All things considered, he was pretty kind about it. Because he didn't have to respond. He could have just blocked the woman on all platforms. Could have tried to get a restraining order out on her. Could have just completely ignored her. But he was like, hey, why don't you come in for an audition? That's the best way to get my attention and to get a role with one of my productions. Best of luck to you. Like, good luck, dreamer. I think that's how he closed his message. And a lot of folks were like, what he said was mean. Or rather, how he did it was mean. Some people were like, Tyler Perry put her on blast. He didn't have to do that. He could have DM'd her. She ain't DM him. She went and got his attention on a billboard, a very public billboard. He responded also in public. He didn't call her out her name. He didn't disrespect her. He told her it didn't work for him. He told her the best way to get his attention. He wished her well. What more do you want? Folks were like, he embarrassed her. She embarrassed herself. She's the one that put it out there. He didn't just wake up one morning and was like, let me just go find this random working actress who aspires to do more and drag her. He didn't drag her at all. But it made me think about how culturally we've gotten to this weird place where we think anyone who doesn't entirely agree with us must be mean or must be at odds with us. Like, I see people comment on my Instagram all the time, and they were like, I love you, sis, but... And I'm like, you don't have to love me to disagree with me. You don't have to tell me that you love me because you disagree with me. You can just disagree. It's, It's okay. It's no love lost. Like, we don't have to share the same brain. We don't have to have the same opinion and point of view on everything. I can not like the same thing you like, and we can still be cool. It's not mean. Everyone's not gonna like you. You're not going to get every job. You're not going to win every award. And sometimes you're going to put forth your A game. You're going to go 120%. You're going to go full throttle. You're going to deserve the thing that you're going after. And you're still not going to get it. And that's just life. And you would do well to learn that now as opposed to later to keep your feelings from getting hurt. And while we're on that topic, can I just say that when you come at people crazy, You cannot dictate the level of crazy that they come back at you with. Because sometimes folks will be like, oh, you brought a gun to a knife fight. It's a fight. I was attacked. I bring whatever I feel like I need to to defend myself. So that's that.
As always, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your patience this week. So I got the podcast up a little later than usual, but up nonetheless. If you need some ratchet and respectable during the week, you can always find me on my social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Demetria L. Lucas. You can also find me on my site, DemetriaLLucas.com. If you want to leave your thoughts on this podcast episode, that's also an option for you there. You can also leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform that you are listening to the podcast on. You can also leave some stars or some ratings, wherever you are. Please leave me a nice rating. If you just hate it, why the hell you listen this long? You should just cut it off, like the 10-minute mark. Like, she annoys me. All right, folks, we'll talk soon, next week, on schedule. Okay, bye.